This podcast is about anything and everything that gets us better at making things good and good at making things better. It's called extreme stewardship, because the first thing to say about getting better at making things good and good at making things better is that both we ourselves and whatever we're working on don't belong to us. We are stewards of what is God's, not owners of what is ours. And in a world that prioritizes getting as the ultimate good and self as the ultimate end, that's pretty extreme. This is episode 10, where big things have to start out as little things, and the answers to our questions are right in front of our faces. One of the most common biblical principles about work is that God calls us to start small. God's own kingdom is something that starts out small, like mustard seed small, and then it grows into something much bigger. Jesus says the same thing about us in his parables. Whoever is faithful with a little will be given the opportunity to be faithful with a lot. Think of how God grew the people of Israel. It took four generations to grow beyond one, eventually a whole nation, but it started small. One man who had one son, who had one son, who had twelve sons. Jesus himself, with twelve core followers, one of whom didn't make the cut. A few generations later, the Roman Empire is turned on its head, but it started small. What we see in the Bible is precisely what we see in life. Seeds are smaller than fruit for a reason. You can probably call to mind half a dozen maxims from your cultural context about how this works. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. A journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Success is a long obedience in the same direction. We'll come to what keeps work from working in a couple of episodes, but there's a piece of that problem going on right here. I haven't done a sociological analysis of this, but I'd be willing to bet that few desires are so universal as the desire to achieve success quickly. That's probably always been the case, though I do wonder how that desire is amplified by things like reality TV shows, celebrities who are famous just for being famous, random viral videos, and that sort of thing. Both anecdotally and biblically, there's something about a sinful human psyche that wants maximum achievement on minimum effort. So the problem is this. Our typical human desire to dream big, achieve big, and do so as quickly as possible, this desire is contrary to the way God set things up. Because the way God set things up is for us to manage one bite at a time. To start small and grow in proportion to our maturity and faithfulness. God is not against us doing big things. Well, big by our standards. I'm not sure any human accomplishment will ever qualify as big in God's book. But if God isn't against us dreaming big, he is against us trying to shortcut our way into what we perceive to be big, rather than patiently being faithful to the small things that he's already put on our plate. We all know stories, because these are the kinds of stories that tend to make the news, We all know about people or or companies that grew too big too fast and imploded because in most cases they had success and resources and prestige and pressure way out of proportion to their maturity and wisdom because maturity and wisdom almost always come through the slow grind of daily faithfulness. Athletes handed millions of dollars five minutes after they graduate from high school. Are we really surprised when they end up broke despite seven- or eight-figure incomes. High-octane, high-profile megachurch pastors 
in their 20s. I'll bet some names just popped into your head. Of course they got proud. Of course they evaded taxes. Of course they took advantage of their moral platform to act immorally. When you cut wood against the grain, it chips, it scratches, it cracks. When you live life against the grain of the Creator's intent, you crack. Genesis 1 and 2. God invites humanity to rule over the world. That's big. But he doesn't hand it over to us all at once. He plants a garden, and he puts Adam and Eve there, and he asks them to steward that garden, not the whole world, just one small manageable piece of it. Eventually, the garden will grow and grow and grow. As Adam and Eve have kids, that's both more hands to the plow and more mouths to feed. So the portion of God's earth that humanity occupies, the portion of the world we can actually care for, is going to get bigger. God has indeed invited us into something massive, but it starts small. So we, as individual human beings, need to be faithful with the small things, the things right in front of us. I realize I'm not saying anything new here. Every self-help book, every leadership guru, every long-term success story, they're all going to say the same thing. They're all going to say in their own words that if you want to get big, you have to start small. You have to start simple. You have to start with the little things right in front of you. They're all going to say that a big accomplishment is nothing more than a long sequence of little activities performed in light of the overall objective. They're all going to say that the key to success is thinking strategically and acting tactically, meaning you never chase after short-term gratification and lose sight of the long-term goal, but you also never lose sight of where you are right now. So where are you right now? Maybe it will be helpful to put a few categories out there to answer that question. Here are five categories. As always, not all-encompassing, and some of these will apply more readily to certain people than to others, but hopefully it's at least a step in the right direction. First category, yourself. You are the very first part of God's creation that he has given you to improve. So physical health, emotional health, skill development, education, relationship with your creator, all that. I'm not going to get into the details on this one. There are enough resources out there already. I just want to remind us of the fundamental question. Are we stewarding ourselves well? Second category, space, meaning the physical environment entrusted to you, your home, your office, your land. The main thing I'm trying to work on in this category is intentionality. My yard doesn't need to look exactly like my neighbor's yard because my yard doesn't need to serve the same purpose as my neighbor's yard. What matters is that I know what the purpose of my yard is so I can improve it toward that purpose. Do I want my yard to be a wedding venue? Do I want my yard to be the place where my kids and all their friends hang out? Do I want my yard to be a maximally productive vegetable garden? Th these are all potentially right answers. What matters is that I am intentional, meaning once I know what the purpose of my yard is, I do everything I can to improve it in that direction. Third category, relationships. We all have numerous concentric circles of relationships and God has put some people closer to us than others. I imagine I am not alone in sometimes forgetting about the people whom God has put closest to me, my family. God has put me closest to them, and he expects me to prioritize their improvement over everyone else's. Here's an outworking of this idea in a church context. I know of a church that establishes its missions budget 
with a series of concentric circles, their neighborhood, their town, their region, their country, their planet. The largest proportion of financial giving, at least as a general rule, goes to missions opportunities in their own community because that's where God has put them. That's the little thing God has put right in front of them. It's often easier for North American churches to sell the drama of unreached people groups, third world poverty, that sort of thing. And I'm not at all saying we should cross those things off the list entirely. But there is a logic at work in this particular church that makes a lot of sense. God put us here for a reason. One other thing worth mentioning about improving other people. Some of us love the idea of improving other people. We dream of opportunities to go to other people and say, you know what would make you better? Please let me tell you all about it. That is not what I'm talking about here. Sure, there are times to share wisdom, times to speak hard truths, times to confront, times to advise, and all that. But what I really mean here is that God invites us to serve the people in our immediate vicinity, to do what is best for them, and by best I mean most conducive to improving creation. And what has to keep me in check when I'm thinking about this is that what's best for them is not the same as what's most likely to make my life easier as someone who has to put up with them. So improve the people around you, but don't mistake God's best for them with their best for you. Fourth category, employment. Work small, think big. Do what's right in front of you and be mindful of how what's right in front of you fits into the long-term plan both your long-term plan and your employer's long-term plan. Now, don't overanalyze this. It's not that complicated. We probably all tend towards one wrong end of this spectrum or the other. Some of this, this is definitely my tendency, some of us obsess over long-term plans and never get anything done in the moment. Others narrow their gaze so tightly they have no idea where they are headed, no idea how what happens today shapes what happens tomorrow. We need both all the time. Someone asks me how often I'm thinking strategically, says Jocko Willink. The answer is, all the time. But that doesn't mean sitting around wishing for a brighter future. It means doing whatever tactical move comes next on the path toward that brighter future. Fifth category, school. I teach in a Christian university, which means that almost every single student who knocks on my door has the same question. What exactly does God want me to do with my life? And when I hear the same question over and over, I tend to give the same answer over and over. Do your homework. Do the little thing that you know God wants you to do right now, and over time, it will become more and more apparent what the big thing is that he has for you later. It might be awkward to end this episode with a caveat, but I think it's an important one. Everything I'm saying here is built on a principle rather than on an equation. I mean... It's not a guarantee. It's not absolute. Little thing plus little thing plus little thing equals big thing is not as simple as one plus one plus one equals three. Some people are faithful with the little things their whole lives, and then they die. And that's it. There's no pot of gold at the end of that rainbow. There's no massive tangible reward for that life of faithfulness. Now, maybe that's just because things fall apart no matter how diligently we hold them together. Maybe that's because there are people out there who want to watch the world burn. Maybe that's because, well, that's just how life goes. The rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous, and the fire burns the homes of the lazy and the diligent. 
So I have to acknowledge that small acts do not always lead to big opportunities. Often they do, sometimes they don't. And so now the question becomes, am I willing to stay faithful? Am I willing to do the little things over and over and over, even if God does not at any point in the temporal future see fit to give me what I consider big? Maybe I stay anonymous and then I die. Extreme stewardship has to recognize that we are not the masters of our fate. We are not the captains of our soul. We have to recognize that the requirement of a steward is not to be successful, but to be faithful. Thanks for listening to the Extreme Stewardship Podcast. My name is Michael Kibbe, and I teach Bible and theology at Great Northern University in Spokane, Washington. My behind-the-scenes partner in this project is my brother, Ben Kibbe. Our editor-in-chief is Annalee Stockton. Art comes from Leah Leanhouts, And of course, music is provided by Dave Murray of Derridoon Guitars. If this series has been helpful or challenging to you, or if you've got a story about extreme stewardship that you'd be willing to share, shoot us an email, extremestewards at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. You are, of course, welcome to like and subscribe and tell your friends and all that. What we really care about is that you have gotten better at making things good and good at making things better. <laughs>